Hello, my name is Carla and Restoring Healthy Mindsets is my thing. Welcome back to the Becoming Her podcast. I know I've been gone for a little bit, but your girl needed to take a break. But we are back and today I have a special guest and she is Sabelle. Is that I say it right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you got it right. And her, and her at on TikTok is Sabelle.pov. You might know her. She is an uprising and upcoming star, I believe, on TikTok. She talks about attachment and she gives you different perspectives on different shows that we all love, different movies that we all love. And I'm so happy to bring her today on the podcast. So please introduce yourself and welcome. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that was such a good introduction. I just want to be an up and coming rising star on TikTok. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm actually a relationship coach. But funny enough, um, I got my master's in public policy. So I was always curious about complex systems. Yeah, and the people in them. And so I just pivoted. I pivoted so many times in my life. I'm now a relationship coach. That's awesome. And you know what, it kind of just flows with you. Like we were talking about off the record, how I see your work. And I'm just like, Oh, my gosh, she's really good at what she does. She gives you different perspectives and is very mature in a in a different way it's so new and fresh to see authenticity so that's why I knew I had to have you on (laughs) oh my gosh thank you so much it means a lot coming from you I feel like this whole podcast is just like a compliment session (laughs) feels unfair (laughs) (laughs) let's um tell me a little bit more so that makes a little bit of more sense you said public policy systems relationship relationships in a way are systems as well there's an equation to everything so um tell me a little bit more of what you do with you know your relationship coaching how long have you been how long have you been on tiktok what got you doing this now yeah that's such a good question so i've only been on tiktok for i want to say six months now wow so yeah it hasn't been that long i got on tiktok like I think every person my age in their early 30s after getting laid off from my tech job, <laughs> I thought, let me let me go ahead and start my own business. But honestly, I I was always doing coaching. I was really fortunate in my last job that I was in for almost five years wow. that I was a coach. So I obviously had my own sort of job on my own team, but I was always a coach on the side. I loved managing people. So that was something that I also did. And I was just a coach for the company and they really nurtured me to become a coach. So I took a lot of classes, certifications at the time. And I coached, my gosh, like probably over a hundred people over five years. Wow. That I did not know that about you. You should mention that in your videos. I don't know if you do, but you should. Yeah, I'm shy, girl. I'm shy. You no, you need to like not be shy. That's like point of credibility right there because I didn't know you're right. I didn't know that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because people always ask me, like, what are my credentials? And it's it's like a long story. But if I were to put it in a few words, it's that I was a master's student studying public policy, like you said, complex systems, the mm-hmm. people in them. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I just I just pivoted into tech. And then from there, I just I, I was so lucky that I was nurtured in such ways that I found my passion eventually something that is really non-traditional. I have this mm-hmm. non-traditional job and I got there in a non-traditional way. That's so awesome. What a blessing in the midst of all the craziness and chaos, you received blessing. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of what you do, what is your specialty when it comes to relationship coaching? Are there specific topics you go over? Like, what? why did you choose those, if you do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
I focus a lot on my TikTok and my Instagram page on like anxious love. Mm-hmm. And what happens there is that I, I need to give people a framework to really understand like what does it mean to be an anxious lover, which is a, a term I like to use. I think a lot of people use that, but essentially it's attachment styles, mm-hmm. understanding ourselves through attachment styles and attachment theory. But more than that, it's helping anxious lovers and couples regain a sense of confidence in love. So I work specifically on emotional intimacy. Like how do we cultivate that? So asserting your needs, giving yourself permission to feel what you need to feel and fostering secure communication so Mm. that you can create the relationship experience that you want and not be on autopilot, which is likely where you are if you find yourself in the same kind of relationship patterns over and over again with different people. So really just removing yourself or not removing yourself, but deprogramming yourself and looking at what are my habits here and, and how do I move past my anxiety? How do I stop my anxiety from leading the way? Mm-hmm. That's really good. And really what, what got you into, you know, the anxious love and, you know, figuring out attachment styles and doing, doing that, what got you into that? Yeah. So very personal story. I, about five years ago, met someone who I didn't know at the time was fearful avoidant Mm -hmm. and I also didn't know at the time I was incredibly anxious Mm -hmm. and we just fell into this really deep deep cycle of honestly it was it was toxic Mm -hmm. in the beginning it was great and then something happened and I was so confused how did we get to a place where we were just blocking each other and emailing each other because we had blocked each other on us right and we just we went through so many ups and downs and yet we couldn't let go of each other Uh and it wasn't until i went to therapy and he went to therapy that we started actually having real conversations we took ourselves out of that toxic loop of Uh you don't understand what i'm saying and you don't understand what i'm saying and you're this and you're that and to actually understanding why we were doing what we were doing a little bit more and having a lot more empathy for one another. So it was an on and off and like on and off uh, relationship over Mm -hmm. those five years. Mm -hmm. Therapy really helped, but ironically it was him that brought up attachment theory, which is surprising. Yeah. Because I was always the one that was like, I felt like I was dragging the relationship. Like I was the one that was like, we need to figure this out. And like, we need to have these hard conversations. But one day he was like, you know, I've been reading Attached and I thought, wow, this is so interesting. So I, I started reading it myself. And from there, I think we just, we grew to, to have more impactful conversations, mm-hmm. but also conversations that led us to understand that maybe we had compatibility issues mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was about separating lovingly rather than leaving a relationship confused and battered and wondering like, what could I have done better? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's awesome. The, and very mature of him as well to do that while you're in a state of growth because it's so hard to take a step back and really analyze what you're doing. Because, I mean, I guess for... I've never heard of, a, I guess, uh, the male or the man be the one to take initiative and to really want to devote time an effort to invest in themselves in regards to self-awareness like that that's pretty yeah. impressive that's a blessing too and then he got you into yeah. it and then you learned so much from that and uh you guys both decided to take your separate ways or you guys still together 
yeah, we're no longer together. We still talk here and there because it's he's someone that I, I care about. And mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, he, t- he taught me so much about myself. He opened this whole new journey for me. And now I'm bringing it to my clients. Mm-hmm. Like when I talk to my clients, I'm talking essentially to me from five years ago or even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm helping them walk through the steps that I went through in order to not let my anxiety again lead me, not feeling in my body all the time, this energy, this stress that was hurting me physically and mentally, emotionally, all the things, right? And it was making Mm -hmm. me incapable of not just being close to my romantic partner, but also my friends, my family. I felt so, I felt so emotionally neglected. And I I think I, I blamed people a lot of the time. And so getting out of that was, was really the biggest part of my journey. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. I know that it's a little bit intimate, but, um, you know, we learn from our experiences and it, and it sounds like it led you to the, to the right path. And, uh, for those that don't know what attachment is or different attachment styles, would you mind briefly describing what attachment is, uh, what avoidant and anxious attachment means? Yeah. So it's essentially a theory. It's, it's a psychological framework. So it's not just something that came out of like self-help or like psycho pop culture right psychology mm-hmm. pop culture mm-hmm. it's actually studies that were done by these two people I, I think their names are bowlby and ainsworth and so they conducted experiments back in the 50s and 60s around like, children and their attachment to their caregivers mm-hmm. and so from there they were able to understand well there's just children who who act differently around their their caregivers and that can actually impact the way that you see your relationships or the way you show up in relationships when you get older. So there's four different kinds of attachment styles that they came up with. There's the secure attachment style. Mm-hmm. Must be nice. Don't know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely earned a secure attachment, but I, it's, I'm never going to be like someone who, who is secure to begin with. So that's a really good one to be, you know, kudos to you if you have it. Mm-hmm. And then there's the anxious attachment, which is something that I've had and, and now I've earned a secure attachment. And there's the avoidant, so dismissive avoidant specifically. Mm-hmm. And then there's fearful avoidant. So there's those are the four. I like to think that there's a little bit more nuance that you can be secure with an avoidant lean or secure with an anxious lean. Uh, but that, you know, that gets a little bit more like specific. Yeah. And you know what? That's so funny you say that because when I took the quiz when I took the quiz that you sent me, um Again, I'm going to say thank you for sending it to me. It was so fun to take. Uh, but when you sent me the quiz, I was in between, like, one was a five. One, I had answered A's mostly, but it was five. And then C's, it was a four. So yeah. I was, like, in between an A and a C, which turned out to be um, the, what did I send? I sent it to you. It was, like, a secure attachment avoidant lean. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're someone who, for the most part, it means you're secure. It means that you care about your relationships. You really want to nurture them. You want emotional connection. And sometimes that means going through conflict. And you're okay with that. But you also really enjoy being autonomous at times and sort of having your own space and not fully wanting to connect every mm-hmm. minute of every day, right? So there's that need for, for some personal space and autonomy. Interesting. <gasps> yes! Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thrive being alone. <laughs> yeah. But um oh, that's so interesting. And would you mind just 
briefly describing like um the avoidant uh and the fearful the differences between those two like the avoidant attachment and fearful attachment yeah so dismissive avoidant is different than fearful avoidant but they're both coming sort of from the same place around needing space so they seem really similar from the outside Mm -hmm. but the biggest difference between the two is that someone who has an avoidant dismissive style they're really aloof they actually when you first meet them seem very secure or they come off like someone with a secure attachment because Mm -hmm. You can just tell them all these things and they seem calm, steady, unaffected. Mm -hmm. But over time, as you get to know them and you're looking to develop emotional intimacy with them, they will stonewall you, dismiss you, walk away and act as though everything's okay. Uh Right? Even when you're falling apart in front of them. And so a great example of someone who's dismissive avoidant that you've probably seen on TV is Big from Sex and the City. Mm. yeah he's a dismissive avoidant character so he is someone who puts above all else even his own relationships his work his own space his personal life right Mm -hmm. anyone who comes close to him and wants to start saying hey let's share a life together it's going to be really ambivalent Mm -hmm. but also feel like no that's not that's not okay with me Uh, versus someone who's fearful avoidant someone who has both the urge for closeness, but also a fear of it, can, it can look really confusing. So essentially, someone who has a fearful avoidance style, they have conflicting needs. They really want a relationship and they want to share emotional intimacy with someone or build it. But the moment they start getting close to it, they, they immediately want to recoil and run away. It's, just, it's, it's almost like getting too close to the sun. It gets too hot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. interesting <gasps> I, don't, I, feel, I definitely feel like my husband is a type of avoidant I don't know if he's a fearful fearful or dismissive he's definitely secure I know that because we're able to get close but um yeah. it took me a while to get to that point in the beginning he was a little bit I don't know if he was dismissive or fearful I think he might he might be a little bit more dismissive because whenever um something hurts just in general from not just with me but in general whenever someone hurt him he was just so calm about everything he was Mm -hmm. like okay like it is what it is nonchalant would keep going with his life and then with me if I you know would bring up something or would cause some type of a conflict with him it was like he doesn't care like he doesn't care like he and then I told him I'm like you can't say that you don't care you have to say you don't mind because if you don't if you say you don't care I feel like it hurts because I care and I care about you and so then from there it it we learned how to communicate with each other but now I can definitely say that he's uh more of a secure attachment um with some type of avoidant lane so yeah it might be the same (laughs) that is so good that is that is so good that you you he you taught him but he was ready to be taught you know like that's that's really special so i think there's this whole thing around like oh dismissive avoidance get a really bad rap okay dismissive avoidance are probably the one type of person that are the most misunderstood vilified all the things and almost for good reason because they can seem really cruel and mm-hmm. cold mm-hmm. and unfeeling. They're even accused of being narcissists at the at their worst. 
right? And so like when you think about the anxious avoidant dynamic, it's a very strong one. The anxious person is chasing the avoidant and that creates just, it brings up all types of wounds. And so people say, oh, don't, don't date avoidance or don't. And the truth is there's so much healing that can happen between the two if they both are open to it. Mm-hmm. It can be such a healing relationship. Yeah, no, no, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. The only reason why my husband and I were able to work things out and we have our relationship keeps flourishing is because we were so open with communicating and really wanting to make it work, like wanting our relationship to be the best that it could be. And um, it's it's a blessing. So whenever these attachment styles kind of came about and they because a lot of people had me asking about different attachment styles. And I was like, I don't I don't I don't know. I got the book. I started reading the book a little bit but I couldn't really get so much into it. Maybe it's my dismissive avoidant, like in me saying, you don't need this. Like, don't, don't get Mm. too into it (laughs) because I, I'm so like, how do I say this? Um, I'm so scared of labeling myself so much. And then, yeah, you know, and then me thinking like, Oh my gosh, this is me because I'm reacting like this. So, Whenever someone else has passion for speaking about attachment styles, I'm totally open. But I definitely am gonna call myself out and say like I'm not too I'm not too invested into attachment styles because I don't yeah. know how to maybe use them in my day to day life. And I feel like once I learned how to use them in my day to day life, it would be so much helpful to also understand myself. But because I'm so like I was telling you, I'm so secure with um my husband and I, I think that we don't, we don't need it, but I will definitely Mm. say that I think my husband was a dismissive, dismissive avoidant in the, in the beginning of our relationship, but because he was open to love, he was ready and open to love. That's why we are both now secure a little bit more like into the avoidant lane. So interesting. (gasps) That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. I love your story because essentially you're, you're talking about a few misconceptions that people have about attachment styles. Like, if I am anxious, that's it. It's set in stone. This is just going to be my life from now on. There's no coming out of it. And it's just a sad story that you can tell yourself. Or you can understand that like it's not fixed, that you can change it, that it's going to take work and work in a relationship, not work by yourself or with your therapist alone. Mm-hmm. And so it is something that changes over time. It's also something that is going to look different in every relationship. You might have a secure attachment with your pet but, you know, but an avoidant attachment with your boss, right? Like, it's just, it's always going to look different. And Mm -hmm. it's a lot more malleable and malleable and flexible than just this, like, thing that you are, and that's it. And, you know, which leads me to my next question. How can someone identify which type of attachment style they are? Well, they can take my quiz. (laughs) The one that I sent you. (laughs) I really have, like, so much bias for my quiz, let me tell you. I love it because... I bring in a lot of nuance in my videos. So if you watch my TikTok videos, I do scene breakdowns. And in the scene breakdowns, I'm looking at TV shows, I'm looking at movies, and I'm showing people like, it's going to look different based on gender. It's going to look different based on class, on race, on type of relationship that you're in. And so if you're looking to really understand your attachment style, I mean, you can read a bunch of books, but there's nothing like seeing the real life thing. So my videos are a really great way to understand where you see yourself. Some people see themselves in different characters, which is just so beautiful because it's such a 
revelation to them in sort of the, the kindest way because a lot of these characters are so loved by so many right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and my and my quiz you can take it in a few minutes and it's just basically all the things that i've ever read known and understood about myself as well in this in this packet i think in general attachment style is still relatively new and that's why i created this this booklet because i just thought like people were asking me how do i find out my attachment style and there's really only like books to read and some maybe quizzes online, but those are so clinical, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you could just do it the old fashioned way, like do a bunch of research online, like talk to your friends, or you can just pick up my, my little booklet here. Yeah. And um, we'll talk about that at the end so that they know how to, the audience knows how to reach you. But yeah, I want to talk about a little bit of more the common misconceptions about attachment styles. Like what is something that you hear often that people get wrong? Like what is, how can we get our audience to be a little bit more open-minded and to be self-aware of learning different attachment styles? Like what are, what are the misconceptions and what are the benefits of learning your attachment style? Yeah, so the misconception is that if you have an insecure style, let's say you're avoidant or anxious, that somehow that's only bad. That just means bad things about you. But there's actually some strengths in those attachment styles. The reason why you have them to begin with is because you needed to survive as a child, that you needed to figure out how you're supposed to be okay. And so you, you have a strategy and tactics. So for instance, if you're anxious, it doesn't just mean you're needy, you're over the top, you're moody, you're dramatic. It also means you're you someone also. who... <laughs> Right. Like it also, I mean, it can also mean that like you just really care about relationships, that you really put relationships at the forefront of, of everything that you do, that you want deeper, meaningful connections. So people who find out their attachment styles get really bogged down by, oh my gosh, there's something deeply wrong with me. Same with avoidant. You read about avoidant attachment and you're like, wow, aloof and detached like that, that can be good, right? But on the other end, when you're avoidant or you have that, that lean, you're someone who actually has a lot of like independence, autonomy, like you're almost like a rock. Like people look to you for advice. They lean on you for certain things, right? You're a provider. So there's, there's a lot of benefits to both or to all attachment styles. So that's the first misconception that there's something deeply wrong with you if you're insecurely attached. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, I think there's another misconception that like, well, all you have to do is go to therapy and you'll, you'll figure it out. Mm. You need to practice. You need to practice secure communication, expressing your needs, expressing your values, like doing the hard things in the relationships that you're in and not just the romantic ones. Mm -hmm. Your friends, your family, your coworkers, you mm -hmm. need to start practicing in spaces that feel safe so that then you can move on to maybe your romantic relationship is, is the place where you are struggling the most, but that's not necessarily where you need to start. So those are, those are, I think that the two biggest misconceptions along with that people feel like it's fixed, that you can't change it or that you should blame your parents. Ooh, that's another one. Oh that my I hear gosh. A lot. Let's, okay. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Let's yeah. A little bit. So, you know what I've seen, I think we we're both on different, um, gen so I'm just turned 24. So I think mm -hmm. we're both different, different perspectives here, but I'm going to talk about, I'm going to tell you a little bit about like Gen Z, what I no noticed that was being normalized, I think 
that has really, really, really hurt us as a generation is to put blame on our parents. And instead of just being accountable and deciding to let go of the hurt and move on from that little hurdle, they just say, well, my parents did this to me, so I kind of have to live with it and stick with it and not do the inner work and kind of just like leave it up in the air. So now that's why I love doing what I do, because we're able to, uh, yeah, we are able to offer a solution of like, no, you know, you come to an age, you're, you come to an age where you're like, are you seriously going to blame your parents? It's been like 20 years since you've like last lived with them. Let's grow up. Let's do the inner work so that we can move forward. Um, so I love that you said that it's enough is enough of putting that excuse of blaming, you know, maybe our parents or even like saying, oh, well, our therapist is going to do all the work for us. It's not like that. And I'm, I guess like as a coach, sometimes um, maybe if you get a client that thinks that they're just going to dump your their problems on you and then you'll fix it. It's like, no, you have to do the inner work. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. And so like this idea of attachment theory being about, well, it's all about how your mom and dad treated you growing up. I mean, they've dispelled that. It's more than just your parents. It's your relationship with your grandparents, your neighbors, the other kids in your class, your teachers, your uncles, your your community essentially is going to have an impact on the way that you you see relationships when you get older. And so there's so much nuance. And obviously at the end of the day, like our parents do have a responsibility towards us and protecting us and all these things. But mm-hmm. I think I read this really great quote the other day. It was like, you know, just because my parents didn't break every generational curse didn't mean that they broke none, right? Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was so profound because it's like, you know, they did their best Yes, there are things that we definitely want to work through, but also just letting go of the fact like, okay, they, they didn't necessarily give you this mess, right? Like there's so many other factors at play here. And so now you get the sort of, I don't know, it's, it's your misfortune or your fortune, whatever you want to think of it as to, to work through it now as an adult. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I think that accountability is key for whichever tool anyone decides to use but now there's no excuse because we know that there's attachment styles we know that there's different like um different self-help not just self-help but a lot of other clinical um clinical programs that could that could help and it's awesome that you and I both have a certification and we specialize in our own in our own niche I use the I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram it's a little similar to attachment styles but I I think one reason why I identify a little bit more with the Enneagram is because it's like uh they go in depth of defense mechanisms and like flight or flight and it's it's super interesting very similar to attachment styles um and I could see how each one would group to a specific uh, like personality type um, yeah. but it's awesome that we have all these resources now and we can implement them in our programs and you know I'm gonna step away from the attachment and talk about something that you mentioned in one of your recent videos so mm-hmm. you spoke about this word or this phrase romantic perfectionism would mm-hmm. you mind talking about that for a little bit what do you mean by romantic perfectionism Yeah. So when I was on my healing journey, as they call it, I was looking at all the ways that I was getting in my own way. And I realized that 
I was seeking perfection as an anxious person. So I was always thinking about all the different ways a conversation was going to go in my mind and making sure that I was going to say the perfect thing. Okay, if he, if he says this, I'll say this in return. And then, right. And so I thought about every single scenario and I realized like over time, like it was, it was a type of romantic perfectionism. And so I created in my own sort of work that I do this framework or this like you said, this concept, it's like, what is romantic perfectionism? It's funny. I even try to Google it and see if it already exists. There's some publications out there, but I, I'm going to give you my breakdown, right? Okay. So essentially it's when you project ideals onto your partner and you're holding them to it, like unconsciously, not deliberately, right? You've, you've projected and created sort of this ideal person that you want to be with. Mm -hmm. So from there, you, you set high expectations onto them. And in your mind, they feel attainable. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's a very thin line for them to walk at all times. Mm -hmm. And if they don't walk that line perfectly, your feelings of anxiousness will rise up. And so what that looks like is you're hyper-focused on what looks good rather than what feels good in a relationship. Mm -hmm. So you're willing to sacrifice rather than compromise because of appearances. So as an anxious person, this is gonna resonate with you because it's essentially saying you need to conform, you need to put on a mask, you need to be sort of a kind of person that deserves a certain kind of treatment and you need to stick to a script. So your, your imagination really takes hold here. You're imagining future scenarios so beautifully and you struggle emotionally when things don't go exactly even though there are no problems that are coming up there are no problems that are coming up and yet you're just like something is just not right here so you have a deep need to hold on to people and places and a strong ability to like over romanticize even the most like hurtful people or situations so you get stuck in your own fantasy and you don't even realize that you're you're living this i don't want to say lie but this like construct right like you created this place where you need to be with the perfect person and you need to be the perfect person mm -hmm. and it just it it doesn't end up feeling good right as much as you think that this is the right thing for you it's 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 all just a protective bubble that you've created mm -hmm, mm -hmm. wow that, that's actually really interesting and you know what i think i i see that a lot with my tiktok videos um a lot of my my community all a lot of my girlies ask me very specific questions like what do i what do i say what should i do and it's like use discernment it, i i can't mm -hmm. tell you exactly what what to say you're, you're not me i know how i might react but you're not me and it doesn't have to be perfect you're allowed to mess up we are human yeah. we're human. yeah and i think it's a lot of it is just fear of reject it's fear of rejection it's fear of things not working out it's fear of what are they going to say? And I think that as soon as we start acting like uh, secure attachments or just, mm -hmm. or just like mature adults knowing like, okay, this is life. It's we're going to have ups and downs. Um, hopefully most of the time. Well, it should be most of the time, but 80% of the time it's just going to be ups. Maybe even 70% of the time it's just going to be ups and 30% of the time we're going to be confused and, you know, have arguments. But um you can't I even struggled with this to tell but I didn't know how to tell them like I can't tell you everything and I can't give everything 
yeah. to you to the at the palm of your hands. Like that's not how yeah. you you're have so to right. You have to be I, willing, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love your videos when you say use discernment. You use that word a lot. I've noticed, and I'm every time I'm like, yes, this is a great word to use in the co- coaching world, relationship coaching specifically, because mm-hmm. there's so many TikTok accounts out there. I mean, just too many mm-hmm. that talk about this is what you do when X. This is what you do when that happens. This is what you should say. This is what you should feel. This is how you should act. And it's like. No wonder people are so burnt out from dating because there are so many rules and they're so specific that mm-hmm. what happens when you don't have your rule book anymore? You're in a situation that's brand new, but no mm-hmm. one told you how to act, right? Mm-hmm. You completely crumble or you just get stuck in a relationship where you're acting a certain way because other people told you that's how you are going to be loved or needed or whatever. So you're right. It's like, you cannot tell people what to do in specific situations. It's all contextual. Yeah. And I mean, my content does get misunderstood a lot because what I'm, what I do with my videos and with my content, it's like, this is what I did. This is what ended up working. This is what I'm seeing Mm -hmm. with my clients. Like this is what I recommend for you to do, but I'm not saying like, you have to do this. Like it's, it's not, it's just like a warning as like, watch out keep an eye out and if you identify with what I'm with what I'm saying use discernment to make it yours but you know I think we struggle well what I've seen right now at least for my generation it's we're we're going through like an identity crisis I feel like a lot of us are so scared to go outside and I think the pandemic had something to do with it and I'm starting to see it manifest and rise up in um in my generation that's why I stick up for my generation so much that's why I like going to a lot of events so that I can uh have so that I can have you know different generations see like hey we're struggling over there like it's really mm-hmm. hard for us to get out of our house and like out of our phones and out of our heads because we are terrified of the world and I think that yeah. that's what it, it's it's a contributing factor to to dating right now as well and I don't know if you notice it as well, but I, I, I definitely see it in my community and uh not just online but in the outside world as well a lot of my generation and younger than me are just terrified to live and it's not just with romantic relationships it's with everything like to go to work to go to school or what's going to happen once you start you know not having to go to school and you start working like it's just so scary and a lot of people don't have that emotional intelligence and are not willing to invest in learning about those things that's why I think we've become a little bit you know, popular, all of our, all of us coaches, because we're, we're in so much need of social skills and social understanding like never before. And I think um, the pandemic also kind of contributed to that because we were on lockdown for at least here where I'm, where I'm at, we were in lockdown for so long. Like we still have things closed. (laughs) We still have some things closed and some, you know, um, yeah. restrictions uh, and I think it just made things a little bit not so great in the social aspect of things for us but that's why knowing your attachment style getting help and seeking help and willing to pay is so important because it could change your life and it could change the way that you handle relationships so yeah like that, it will that- change your life yeah, and that's why I wanted to bring up romantic perfectionism because it's a real problem 
a lot of people message me and they're like, it's an urgent call. I need to know what I need to do. And it's like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm only yeah. here to like um, share from an outside perspective. And you have to use your discernment to see what it is that works for you. Because what might work for me is not going to work for you. We have, we're two different people. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's why like when I have my coaching clients, I try, like you said, try not to tell them exactly what needs to be done, but more so help them talk through what is it they really want out of this and work backwards from there because people are just so quick to say, I don't, I don't want conflict. How do I get rid of it? And it's like, okay, look, conflict, conflict is here for a reason. And we now need the tools and resources to, or we need to get those tools and resources mm-hmm. to be able to manage them better. Cause they're always going to come up. Mm-hmm. They're always going to come up in every relationship. And that leads me to my other question. How do you recommend for people to be more self-aware when they're acting out of autopilot like is there a system that you go through whenever you're going through your coaching call uh that to help them like analyze the problem how you just said right now like let's go through the resources is there a specific formula for each person or does it vary yeah that's a great question so i tend to work with those who feel anxious they're the ones who reach out the most for for help, right? Mm -hmm. And so with my anxious clients, we do, depending on where they are in in their journey in terms of the emotional work, we we go through shadow work. So essentially what that means is like, why do I do what I do? What Mm -hmm. is beneath what I'm doing? Like I'm Mm -hmm. speaking in code, but what are are I really trying to say? And so from there, what we'll do is we'll, we'll figure out like, what is it about why I do what I do that, that makes me so how do I say this? Like there's anxiety, right? We're being led by anxiety, a lot of my clients. And so we need to unearth what that anxiety truly is about. And we need to bring it to the surface. And that's the thing that anxious people tend to avoid, which I think is also another misconception about attachment styles that if you are anxious, you don't have avoidant tendencies. You do, you do. Those tendencies are around like just not wanting to be rejected or abandoned. So you do everything you can around it so that you're chosen, so that you feel accepted and wanted. Wow, and so crazy. That sounds so yeah. foreign to me. I That sounds so foreign to me because I've never been that type of... And you know what? Let me ask you. Let me ask you this. Okay. Analyze me real quick. So yeah, the reason why I think I've never... it's Okay. I'm going to be completely honest here. To all my girlies that are listening, this is this don't don't take this personally, but it's really, really hard for me to understand people that want to uh, feel like a need to belong. I don't know mm-hmm. if maybe like that's <laughs> like a narcissistic trait of mine. I don't know. <laughs> because I just I, I'm just like I've never ever ever understood. And I have friends and I'm just like, I don't mean to humble you, but I need you to tell me why. I why you feel this way and wanting to feel like to belong and I don't like what is wrong with me I don't understand and they're like it's I mean they see it as a good thing because they're like girl it's so stressful on this other end but on my (laughs) end it's so stressful because a lot of people are going to see me as cold a lot of people are going to see me like I don't have a heart and it's like no it's not that I just don't understand so like I guess what I'm trying to say is like how describe to me (laughs) describe to me what it feels like because I in my mind I just 
I never, I've never experienced that before. So I don't know if it's like the dismissive avoidant me or because you know what? Maybe I'm a dismissive avoidant too because yeah. of, of that. But um, what, what, please just go into depth of what it is to feel that anxiousness of wanting to belong. Like, how does it, how does it work? And maybe like, I don't, I don't want to say why, but like why as well. I'm, I'm really trying yeah. to get, gain some insight here for my, for my own personal use. Yeah. It's like, what was the reason? Yeah. It's like, what's the reason? So <laughs> It really does come down to just child experience. So just the way that you interacted with your caregivers as an anxious person, what likely happened to you as a child is that you had inconsistent caregivers. So they were there for you some of the time and not all the time. And depending on where you were, like how safe you felt like outside of your home, you know, let's say school community, mm-hmm. you probably had a strong need to have them around. And so you earned it. You learned that like, you have to get their attention. You have to be good or you have to be bad or you have to be helpful, you know? So there's, there's this like mechanism when you're anxious that you need to earn people's love, that it feels more satisfying to do that because then it feels like you're worthy of their love. That's what you learned. Yeah. So, so it's something you learned very young. And so it's now a mechanism in you. So that's why anxious people, sometimes they'll meet another anxious person and they'll be immediately repelled because they're basically facing a mirror. They're mm-hmm. meeting someone who's making it so easy for them. Like, hey, I like you. I want to hang out with you. And they're like, what is that about? That's weird. They don't want me to <laughs> like seduce them. They don't want me to like go out of my way to like be there for them. They just, they like me as I am. What is that, right? It's such a foreign feeling. It's one they don't trust essentially. So for someone like you, you already trust that, like, you know, you're the shit. Like, can I swear on this? <laughs> like, there's a, there's a part of you that, like, just understands that, like, you'll be able to figure it out no matter what happens. And anxious people fundamentally, at their core, worry that they will be left. And when they're left, they're not going to be okay. Something bad is going to happen. So once you become older, once you become an adult, and you start doing the work, you realize that, like, there is this real fear. It's in your body. It makes you shake and cry and want to scream sometimes. But you have to or you want to work through it because logically you understand that you're an adult now. It's okay if people leave. You're not going to be unsafe. So that's the work that needs to be done. Yeah. Wow, that's so helpful for me. And also to answer some questions uh, t- to my community because sometimes it's really hard for me to kind of connect with with that because I've never experienced it myself and wow well that's very helpful for me on my end to kind of understand and have a little bit of compassion towards people that need that have the need to want to be needed and want to earn someone else's someone else's love and let's stay on that topic a little bit so would you say that um it can be a little when when you come from a place of of uncertainty and unclarity it would you say that it's a little bit easier for anxious attachments to get involved in very toxic relationships more than i would let's say a dismissive avoidant yeah so when you're anxious and you're avoidant there's something really electric that happens when you two meet so what happens is that what i call 
the attractive promise. So there's a psychology term called the confirmation bias that essentially as people, we're always looking for situations or people that will like reaffirm what we already know about ourselves or what we mm -hmm. believe about ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a very strong driver. But there's another piece that all these other books I don't think talk about when they talk about attachment styles. There's also this need to rewrite your story or change your story. Like you so badly want to be wrong about, let's say if you're anxious, about the idea of not being worthy. You want someone to show up and show you that you're worthy. That's what all these crazy movies are about, right? The movies of will they, won't they. It's always between an anxious and avoidant. Mm. So you want that story. You want that Hollywood movie of like, there's this bad boy walking down the hallway and he won't look at anyone but me, the nerdy girl, you know, mm -hmm. I, I caught his attention and, and nothing else matters. And, you know, so there's, there's an attractive promise. It's my story is going to be confirmed by this person. And also at the same time, there's a possibility that this person's going to change the whole story for me. So it happens on an unconscious level. It's not very intentional, but it's, it's strong. It's what brings these two types together. The anxious person is thinking, okay, I have feelings of unworthiness. This person's either going to confirm or deny them. And the avoidant person shows up and they say, okay, I also have feelings of unworthiness in different ways. They're either going to deny it or, or confirm it for me. And so there's a, like a cat and mouse game here that's, that's really attractive, especially over a long period of time. The more that you have these kinds of electric interactions, the more the needs really heighten for, for there to be some sort of resolution. That's so interesting that you say that because it's it's almost like the um, damsel in distress, right? Like damsel in distress and then the bad boy trying to change or for her and mm -hmm. saving her. That's so interesting. Exactly. Wow. The, the, best, the best movies are the ones that are about anxious and avoidant types. The part that they don't show you in these movies is the part of like therapy and the deep work and the messiness to get to a point where they actually can be together. So they would show you at the end of the movie, like, oh, you know, one one night apart made me realize that I can't live without you. But that's that's not how it goes, right? But we wish, we hope. Yeah, and then <laughs> yeah, I know, and um, you know, I I really don't like that we soak up so much. Well, I do at least so much film that we think that relationships are one way, but they're really not. And I got very blessed with my husband. I it just ended up working out with with us because we're both um well at least for me I was very, <laughs> I was very <laughs> well it sounds like you're both like avoidant like we both it's are. really we yeah <laughs> you're gonna have less issues when you're both of the same type like the ultimate partner is someone who's secure then it's someone who has your style and then it's finally like the hardest most challenging type is someone who has the opposite style as you so like if you're anxious and you're with an avoidant it's gonna be challenging but it's also where so much healing can take place mm -hmm. if you both are open to it mm -hmm. yeah I could totally see that see that happening I think my and you know I think my parents are my dad's an anxious attachment and my mom's a um an, a dismi uh, dismissive avoidant uh, mm. I so see that. I so see that where my dad feels like he has to earn my mom's love. And my mom's yeah. like, I mean, okay, like, 
okay <laughs> she's like that's cool that. that we're... <laughs> but my mom's like more so, they're both secure they're both secure but I definitely see my dad being more of an anxious attachment um but uh that's so interesting yeah so interesting oh my gosh so it uh, is right you've talked about books before what are some what are three books that you recommend for our listeners to read to get in touch with um or get more familiar with different attachment styles yeah so attached is the like holy grail of attachment theory Mm -hmm. Um, i think it's by adam levine right and i think that one's okay and The one that I really recommend to read if you're interested in attachment theory and your attachment style in a more like modern context, Mm -hmm. it's going to be Polysecure by Jessica Fern. And I know the name Polysecure can throw people off. They're like, I'm not trying to be poly. But that's not what this book is really about. It's actually about the idea of different types of relationships. It also talks about monogamy, Mm -hmm. talks about just like basically modern dating and modern relationships and our ideas of secure attachment in different contexts. And it brings up fearful avoidance, what that looks like, dismissive mm-hmm. avoidant, anxious, secure styles in a much more, I think, fair way than attached. I think attached is kind of like, okay, if you're avoidant, you kind of suck. And also don't date avoidance. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, that's not fair. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, that's the impression I got from the book anyway. Um, but there's other books on love that I think are really interesting. Like if you're interested in like romantic perfectionism, I think All About Love by Bell Hooks is such a great take on like what we've been promised and the disillusionment that we have now when we, we actually get into relationships. All About and, Love, you said? Yeah, All About Love by Bell Hooks. Incredible, incredible book. It has just such poignant again, modern takes on love. And I think when I say modern, what I'm really saying is millennials and Gen Z, they're part of this transformational generation, this transition between what our parents went through and how they were able to get into marriages and what what it meant back then versus now. It's very different, right? It's so different the way that we think about why we get married. You know, it's, it's about love now. It's not about mm-hmm. finances or social status, right? Mm-hmm. So we're we're really like, we're, we're going through the growing pains. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And then add in the social media component that just like made it. Oh, for sure. There's so much like whack advice from people who, <laughs> who just should not. Yeah. Like they should not be out here saying what they're saying. I'm sure people feel that way about me, you know, but that's fine. Like, yeah, I, 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 I'm talking that. about I get that all the all day. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Um, it's funny, like I get therapists on my page going like, yeah, this is amazing. I want to send my clients this. I'm like, okay, I'm doing something right sometimes, you know, sometimes. Um, sometimes. <laughs> but the last book that I would recommend, and this is also about modern love, and it's a little bit more like heavy. But if you or, or whoever's listening has been through like betrayal in their relationship, uh, mating in captivity mating by esther in perel yeah mating in captivity by esther perel is incredible it changed it was one of the books that i first read when i was going through my relationship issues with my ex and it was it was so humbling it was such a great take on this idea that like relationships are going to be messy you will feel some sort of betrayal and then what, right? There's there's more than just two choices in a relationship. You know, I think we were obsessed with this idea of like, he treat he mistreated you or she mistreated you. You you need to leave them, or if you stay, you're just going to keep getting mistreated. 
But there's like a third option. This is what Esther Perel talks about a lot. That you can stay and work through it and create a new relationship together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that that's your take on a lot of different things. You're, you always choose, well, most of the time from what I've seen, you've always chosen the third option. And yeah. I think that that's when you get the best results. That's how you get relationships to last a long time. When you choose sure. the third option. Because you decide to stay and you have the same goal. Obviously, I think we both can agree that that comes with boundaries. Like if there's any, some, any mm-hmm. type of abuse, it's like, okay, get the heck out of there. But sure. when it's within, like, the, the, the um, I guess, um, in between of, like, okay, this can go two ways. You could grow or you can just, like, the relationship could just go awfully. But it's up to yeah. you because most of the time it's up to us. Like, we have to decide, like, what what do we want? Do we want to make it work? And if we do make it work, how are we going to stand how are we going to be firm about a specific subject so that it can get better? And uh, for that to happen, both parties have to care about the relationship because when it doesn't work out, it's because there's only one person. There's yeah. only one person really um, doing doing that work. Well, so, I, I like to uh-huh. think like, you know, we, we have this idea that the opposite of connection is like disconnection. Like mm-hmm. if you're not connected, you're disconnected. But the truth is, really the opposite of connection mm-hmm. is reconnection mm-hmm. like it's like finding another way to reconnect it's like that space that you both need to explore that can actually deepen your bond mm-hmm. yeah I completely agree I completely agree with you and I would like to end our um our uh, this podcast episode with one more question and then you can tell us uh how uh, our audience and our listeners can get a hold of you but um, what is like one pro tip that you would give to an anxious attachment style and an avoidant attachment style so I love this question because it's controversial okay are you ready <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so I'm not going to put a lot of context here because I think if you have an anxious or avoidant attachment style like you're just going to get it and if you don't you don't that's fine but if you're anxiously attached my pro tip for you is that you want to connect more with this part of you that is moody, bratty, playful. That, that part of you is actually like dying to come out. And you want to do that with people that you feel safe with. So you've got to find safe people to express that side of you. Now, if you're avoidant, there's a part of you that's just trying to come out and that's the the softer, like the more melty version of you, the one that just wants to like be tender and like be taking care of taking care. That's not, that's not a word being, be taken care of. No, mm-hmm. that's not how you say it. I, I <laughs> be, totally be cared for. That's what I'm trying to say. So there's a part of you that's like that melty version of you that wants to be cared for and that wants to care for others. And so you also need to find people that are safe to express that with. I love that. I love that. That's so cute and also very relatable. And I could see how it can work for their favorite yeah. if they wanted that. And how could how could our listeners get a hold of you? How could they get in touch with you so that you could work with them or so that they could work with you? Because as you guys may know, I stopped coaching. I'm completely fooled with my <laughs> clients and I stopped coaching. So now I'm going to give you guys different resources so you can get help. Um, in in different ways so how 
can someone get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can visit me on Sabelle POV on my TikTok or Instagram. And I have a little store that you can visit. So I do offer one-on-one coaching. I also have my little PDFs that you can get from me if you're looking to understand your attachment style better. You can also share it with your partner if you have one. So I do have private one-on-one coaching and I'm also starting a semi-private coaching group where Mm -hmm. we can create more community around the things that we're learning. And I think that that is something I'm really excited to launch. So so that's yeah. something that's coming up as well. Yeah. How exciting and how fun. Well, congrats on your success. You've only been on TikTok for six months and have definitely made a lasting impression. Um, I I really wish you the best for your business and for you to keep growing. It sounds like you have a lot of insight and a lot of different things to, to share. And maybe, who knows, maybe you might want to do a podcast of your own as well because you have a yeah. lot to share. <laughs> Yes, I have so much. Thank you for listening to me. I had so much to talk about today. I talked Carla's ear off. Thank you. <laughs> no, it was it was my pleasure. I love having these conversations and it's so important for us as content creators to get together and really share different perspectives so that we can offer more content to our listeners yeah. and to our community. So no, not at all. This this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your insight. And um, I'm super excited to see you grow. And just really thank you. Thank you for being a part Thank of this you. podcast. Thank you so much, Carla. It was so nice talking to you. <laughs> Alrighty. For all of our listeners, this episode is going to be released on a Sunday. I haven't decided which Sunday yet, but I will be speaking to all of you soon. Thank you so much for listening.